Welcome to That Nam's Podcast, a podcast produced by the New Anglican Missionary Society for those that have a heart for or are interested in church planning, discipleship, and world missions. On this episode, Servant General John Schuler begins an occasional series for the podcast called Fragments. These episodes will each stand alone, as from time to time he'll impart a lesson or insight to fellow church leaders. Today's topic is two altars. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to that NAMS podcast. Glad to have you join us. I'm going to talk today uh, under a theme, an occasional theme, that I'm calling fragments. This won't be a series, but from time to time, I'm just going to try to bring fragments of my understanding and insight, my thoughts, my convictions after a lifetime of ministry. I've always been struck by the remembrance that John has of words of our Lord Jesus after the feeding of the 5,000 when he told the apostles to gather up the fragments that were left, that nothing be lost. And so, um, fragments. Today, I'd like to talk about two altars. Two altars. The altar of God and the altar of the denomination. It's on my heart because of a number of conversations recently with troubled, troubled brothers Several of those brothers are Anglican brothers, uh, but I'm also aware of troubled brothers in other, in other parts of the church, particularly um, Roman Catholic people at this time in, in history. And, and what has uh, triggered this conversation and my thoughts is that what is troubling people is the difference between what the church says it believes and what leaders of the church actually do and in their doing, seem to undermine what they say they believe. Now, it's, it's a historic problem. It's not a new problem. Anyone that reads their Bible knows that it's been a problem from almost the beginning of God calling a people through the great Moses. Men are given the wisdom of God and the truth of God, And that wisdom and truth is written down, and for a season people live it, obey it, honor it, respond to it, are corrected by it. But little by little, it becomes becomes common and in some sense easy for people to start to say they believe things that they're no longer living. I've seen it in the family of the church to which I belong, but I've seen it in every setting, in every part of the church, whatever whatever name it now lives under, which is all a denominator is, is a name, the reality is there's a tension between the teachings of a denomination and the requirements of a denomination that her leaders um, believe what the denomination believes and will teach and preach and live what the denomination says it believes. There's a tension between that which the denomination expects, and that which the Word of God demands. Now, why is that? Well, the reason that I believe that, that, that makes sense of it, that explains it to me, is that every denomination of Christian people is a community of people following a tradition or a set of traditions that are the traditions of men. There's a very real distinction between the traditions of men 
and the traditions that God has given to his people. I heard a wonderful saying the other day that God is perfect, and therefore he's not a perfectionist. I love that saying, and it made me smile, because it's quite possible in human life for men to be perfectionists and to hold people accountable to things they cannot themselves do or things they cannot themselves keep. And often the perfectionist is pointing to some portion of what God has revealed, certainly perfectionists in the church. And yet God himself being perfect has absolute liberty, absolute liberty to change things at the at the time that he believes they need to be changed. Perhaps the most classic example of that would be when God gave to Moses the command to craft the bronze serpent and place it on a pole that sick Israelites would be healed. That was a commandment of God. Moses obeyed, and many were healed when they gazed upon the bronze serpent. And yet years and years later, it was, responsible. it was the response of King Hezekiah in times of great distress to recognize that the people of Israel had made an idol out of the bronze serpent on a pole. And so we hear in the second book of Kings, in the 18th chapter, in the fourth verse, that King Hezekiah commanded that the bronze serpent, commanded by God to be crafted, be ground up into powder and scattered on the water that the Israelites would drink to spare a great catastrophe. God can give gifts in a season that are not eternal gifts. And that's what happens in denominational life. God calls a people into a pattern of obedience, into a pattern of responding to the gospel, into a pattern of organizing and living the life of Christ's people. And little by little, traditions grow up. It's inevitable. It happens to everyone. Every group of Christians that is ever separated from another group of Christians over some element of truth as they understand it will inevitably develop a pattern by which they seek to uphold that truth that will become, in time, more important to many in that community, in that denomination, in that fellowship, in that network, will become more important to the men in that network or denomination than the Word of God itself. It happens over and over and over again. Many years ago, in the early days of my friendship with one of the finest men that I've ever had the privilege to know and to serve with, he was a Baptist pastor, and he was young and early in his pastoral ministry, and he was concerned to bring a new element of life, a new renewing, a new, a new life in the gospel to his congregation, and he brought in a wise, older minister for a weekend of renewal. And the focus of the weekend was disciple-making. What does it mean to be a disciple-maker? Well, the weekend went very successfully, and on Monday morning, he'd stayed overnight till Monday, he had breakfast with my dear friend, and in the conversation, he eventually asked this question. Do you believe that God is calling you to be a disciple-making pastor? 
My dear friend said, well, yes. And then the wise old man said to him, well, then you're going to have to make a decision. Will you serve the altar of God or will you serve the altar of the denomination? I first heard that story mm, going on 25 years ago, and it, it, it pierced my heart. It pierced my soul. Because by that time, I had already come to realize that, that these things are true in the Anglican family. I had experienced it. I had experienced it in the mother country in England. I had experienced it in my own country, in America. That things that I was taught, that things that the church proclaimed, the things that the prayer book teaches, were not being lived. And my experience was that when those things were pointed out, it was the most common response to turn on me for pointing it out. And what what I realized in the story of my friend was that many of my Anglican brothers were more committed to the traditions of Anglicanism than to the Word of God, even though one of the most central, if not the most central, tradition of historic Anglicanism is our fidelity to the Word of God, our commitment to the Word of God, our desire to not break the Word of God, our, our promise, um, our promise to do nothing that is contrary to the Word of God. So it remains a challenge to walk with Christ, to walk as a disciple of Jesus, to live by the Spirit of God, submitted to the Word of God. It is an inevitable reality that from time to time, the traditions of men will react against the Word of God. And when that happens, what must we do? Well, we must be faithful to the Word of God. We must not be quiet in the face of things that are contrary to the Word of God. We must not align ourselves with those who are overtly rebelling against the Word of God, or undermining the Word of God, or speaking against the Word of God. There really are two altars. We serve at one or the other, the altar of the denomination or the altar of God. Well, thanks for being with us today. This is the first of an occasional series called Fragments. I hope you'll join us next week. Thanks for coming. If you enjoyed this week's episode of That Nam's Podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're using. Also, if you would like to get in touch with us or want to learn more about Nam's and our mission, please visit us on our website at namsnetwork.com. Thanks for joining us, and God bless.